Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live lead. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. everyone. Glad you're on board with us tonight for The Bible Live. You can hear me all right, Stace, right? I can now, Stacey Loreen is Hello. saying she can't hear me, but you can get her. I got it now. Yep. Oh, you Loud got you. Clear. Okay, all good, 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 good. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us for The Bible Live tonight. I have to say it. I mean, it's always exciting and wonderful to me. I mean, for this is uh, almost 20 years now. I've been going through the Bible every year. And to me, it's still exciting and thrilling. This book never gets old. It never gets uh, unthrilling and unexciting because, uh, well, in the first place, you, you can't contain it all. And so once you come each week as we make our way through the Scriptures reading, there's something fresh, there's something new, there's a new insight. Well, we live in a different world, you know, mm-hmm. where uh, you got viruses and, or mm-hmm. in biblical terms, you different. got the plagues and you <laughs> well, got this and different. you got the and other. Sometimes not so different. It's yeah, I, some, sometimes <laughs> maybe a little the same as the biblical times Mm -hmm. but uh, it's always thrilling and exciting but i have to say i always get excited when we come to the book of daniel Uh, it is just one of the most remarkable books of the bible and frankly daniel comes in for a lot of criticism and i don't mean you know kind of shallow criticism i'm talking about even you know critics and and Others who who theologically they they want to eliminate Daniel and so on and and some people well and the reason for it is it is so astounding. He's an amazing individual first, and then his his visions and his prophecies what he what he uh, preaches it, it is so astounding because he. Frankly, he reaches four or five hundred years, even more than that, into the future in very specific ways. His predictions about uh, coming uh, empires that would rise and fall and rise and fall and just hundreds of years in advance. And it is just really stunning. And and then, of course, his uh, reaching his prophecy in Daniel chapter nine, where he talks about this 69 weeks of weeks. Uh, that dramatic prophecy that talks about uh, when the Messiah is going to come. Uh, and this is hundreds, like I say, hundreds of years before. And yet when you calculate those weeks of weeks and the, you, you un- understand the projection of the prophecy, it comes right down to the life uh, of, of Jesus, the Messiah. One, uh, one calculation leads right down to the, uh, to the probable year of Jesus uh, baptism when he begins his public ministry, the other traces it and does all kinds of. Uh, they they bring in they they calculate the change of the calendars. They talk about um, the the year of difference between the 
year zero and year one and so on and and it comes right down to the the triumphal entry the date of the triumphal entry of jesus into jerusalem uh either way you go it's it is remarkable and we'll take a a peek at that tonight in daniel chapter nine if you don't uh if you've never done it before it would be wonderful if you want to to uh go to a good study Bible, or perhaps maybe you could even, I bet you could Google this and find uh, different commentaries that, that trace down the uh, the interpretation of the, of the 69 weeks of weeks and so on, and uh, you would come up with, um, it's just an amazing thing. Daniel was an amazing individual. His life, he's one of the few people in the Bible. Did you know that? He's one of the few people in the Bible, Stacy, to whom no sin is attributed. Mm. He's never. It never talks about him goofing up or getting angry or you know. Or he, his response in every single moment. Now it doesn't mean that he was without sin. I I'm not trying to say that because we do know that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But it, it, the, he is. What we see of him, his public um, and, and even his life, is his, uh, the portrait that is painted here in the book of Daniel. He's remarkable, godly individual, humble. Even when he gets around to confessing sin, although there's no sin attributed to him ever, he still uses the pronoun "we." Mm-hmm. He he identifies with the people and, and with the people of God, and we have failed. We have, which is shows I think some uh, humility on his part as well. But anyway, we're going to get into Daniel. We have um, Stacy's here with me, and so honey, you're gonna you're gonna. Correct me. You're going to keep me on, and you're going to add some of your insights, and we'll we'll be glad to receive that. And also, folks, you can give us a call anytime during these next minutes, this hour and a half. Uh, our phone number is 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. Would love to hear from you about anything uh, that we that we cover here in the book of Daniel. We're going to cover the first nine chapters tonight. Uh, we'll read the the final chapters of Daniel in, in Monday and Tuesday of this coming week. Or, or is it just Monday? I've forgotten which one. I think it's just Monday. Mm-hmm. We get on through chapter uh, 12 or 13 there. Mm-hmm. And so um, <clears throat> before you can give that, us a call. Yeah, but Go ahead. before Daniel, we've got to wrap up Ezekiel. Oh, yeah. I, that was gonna say, we do have passages. We, uh, oh, yeah. Ezekiel. And our Particularly these segment. chapters and the Psalms. Yes. Psalm 123. One of my songs as well. Psalm 123 Psalms. through 127. And remember, we're still in those Psalms that we call uh, Songs of Ascent or the Pilgrim Songs. These are Psalms that were used uh, frequently by those who were uh, traveling uh, on their way to Jerusalem for the uh, National Festival. Uh, celebrations, uh, the uh, um, uh, Yom Kippur, uh, the Day of Atonement, for those national uh, uh, times of celebration and of, of spiritual acknowledgement of God. Uh, they, these psalms were sung by the travelers as they way, made their way to and uh, from Jerusalem. Uh, there was a very spiritual time and moment. People were celebrating. They were singing about God. They were worshiping on the roads. On the highways, and so we have this this group of psalms, one twenty through one twenty seven. Twenty seven, exactly. So uh, we're still in that in, in that group of psalms. Um, mm, oh, remember Psalm one twenty three, Stacy? When you were a little girl, 
I remember you uh, and your two yes. brothers saying a, duo, a trio mm-hmm. at church. Alma City. Oh, we were so proud David of you Walker. guys. It was just, you know how moms and dads, when they see their little uh, we, children. We practiced that for <laughs> weeks, yeah, as you can imagine. They mom. Practiced, mom made them practice oh, for yeah. weeks, of course. And they were saying it was a large congregation. Uh, oh, I, you know, in those sweet. days, it was prior to the uh, cell phone. We didn't. I'm not even sure we, we ever do. seen a we picture have, of it. We don't have a picture, but we have a recording of we it. Have and a it is of really that. precious. It is sweet. <laughs> if I must say If so. you say so it's yourself. Audio. Yes. It's audio, just audio. Uh, yeah, it was before and the so, cell phones. Yes. This was way back when you mm-hmm. were probably what? I was five probably or five or six, right. Uh, and it was for July 4th. It was kind of around our, you know, it was, an, it was not, I think it was July 4th. It was a patriotic season. It was season, a patriotic yeah. season. Um, so my grandmother, so mom's mom, used to work at a Christian bookstore, and she would always keep her eye out for musicals or sweet children's albums and songs. And uh, she found this, uh, it was, uh, I don't even know the name of it. I'd have to look it up. But oh, it was, I've heard other people do it, yeah, too, it's as well. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and the song was Let's Keep Our Eyes on Him. From the Let's keep our eyes on I know, him. I still know it. <laughs> yeah. I know, that, yes. And, and there's uh, a spoken yeah. part in the middle yes. where little Stacy piped little up Stacey's and voice. said, as the servant keeps his eyes on his oh, master yeah. or something. So like our that. eyes are fixed on you. <laughs> our yeah. eyes are fixed on you. Yeah. And it was so yeah. cute. It was really cool. So that's Psalm 123. Our eyes are to be fixed on God, our master. As the servant looks to his master, mm-hmm. our eyes are fixed on you, Lord. And then let me see what else is there in their psalm readings. Uh, psalm 124 talks about... Uh, God can always make a way to, for us to escape from our enemies, which uh, I, I think is it. What Corinth, the verse in Corinthians said, "There is no, there is no temptation is taking you, mm-hmm. but such is common to man. But the Lord will, with the temptation, make yeah. a way of escape." Yeah. And yeah. so it may be uh, founded on this verse in, in uh, Psalm one twenty four, mm-hmm. that God always make a way to escape from our enemies, uh, comparing us to a bird that escapes from the hunter's trap. Mm. That reminds uh, me of, mm -hmm. I brought this up actually in a Bible study, because sometimes it's hard to, you know, uh, it it can feel a little, we've got Google Maps and all sorts of ways these days. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but we have, so to kind of pause and actually sit on that for just a moment and think, what are those times in my life where I truly have felt as if there's no way through there's no way out there's no right decision is something that you and i have been there and it was Mm. something and i shared this at a bible study this week that you said to me about um someone had come to you for advice and ministry and had messed up and and was in a and did not know what to do and you kind of first paused and said well first of all there's no right decision that is off the table. You have already sinned. I mean, you you ha- you cannot go back and take that no. away. The position, and that was a real actual mm. relief. Yeah. And coming to that, not yeah. and uh, and and so, but and in, in in other words, it's very human to want to say, "How can I make this right? How can I solve this? Solve this? Solution, fix this? Yeah. Make it?" And there isn't when it's asked, yeah. and it truly puts us just yeah. right at his feet. I, I remember what you're talking yes. about now. The and first step he, is always to go to yes, the cross. Jesus, he go is to the, the cross. way. Yeah. <laughs> and then him. quite often we have to make a decision between uh, uh, several bad options. Right, I mean, right. there's no really way out of it without... 
right. one way or another to hurting others. Or, or you, so we look for the mm-hmm. way that does the right. least damage and right. look for God's right. wisdom. You to think of Jephthah's vow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had made the vow, and then now he's stuck with stuck. either breaking of this vow or doing and. And it, there's no right decision. Right. This so obligation what, yes. or this obligation? Right. Which one? You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, it is right, and it's a and great principle. Mm-hmm. I had just providentially, when this person came to me, I had just been reading a book about biblical or spiritual ethics. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, is that quite often, most all of our difficult decisions of life, and almost many of them, there is um, there's no perfect solution. Right. You're yeah. you're choosing. The less lesser of hurtful or harmful mm-hmm. uh, uh, options, but the first step is always to go to the cross right. and, and he will, recognize that. Right, and keeping our eyes on him, fixing our eyes on him, searching constantly for he, he really does use time mm-hmm. in on our behalf a lot. It reminds me that C.S. Lewis, time starts working backwards yeah. when we are with him, and he unravels it slowly but surely, and then a week, a month out, and you look back and you realize, I got through that. How did, yeah. how did that happen? Yeah. And it's because he did it. Some and, and God can bring us through even in a way that's, that glorifies him, yeah. that it brings peace and growth to our lives mm-hmm. and even that can be instructive and, and helpful and edifying mm-hmm. to one of the other persons involved right. it it's right. it is amazing but that first step you know just, we need to we, we, you know we're americans we like to solve the problem yeah. you know and uh-huh. and uh first thing is always to go to him and acknowledge and to the cross is the only mm-hmm. level moral ground in the universe mm-hmm. that's where rights are uh, wrongs are made right, and and, and uh, death starts working backwards. Yeah, death starts working backwards, as Lewis says. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, Psalm one twenty four. You can look at that. Psalm one twenty five. Do you know the song? Can you sing the song about? As I'll, I'll put that out there for any of our listeners. If you know the words to Psalm one twenty five two, say, "As the mountains surround and protect Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds and protects His people." If you know the little chorus, the praise and worship chorus that that is built on that song, well, maybe you could give us a song this evening. Give us a call, 210-340-9585. Love to hear someone sing that Psalm 125, verse 2 for us. Um, psalm 125 also talks about the wicked will not rule the godly, for then the godly might be forced to do wrong. And there's a great truth there. We know that this will be true in eternity, and, and we even talk about this in our in our national in our national life. That's why we have that freedom of conscience, uh, the freedom of religion. And sometimes where it's a struggle uh, because we 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 insist on trying not to make someone um, act or perform against their truly and, and sincerely held. Uh, moral or, or spiritual or religious convictions, and uh, this is that passage that 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 comes from. Um, the wicked will not rule the godly, for then the godly might be forced to do wrong. Um, we are not obligated to obey uh, evil laws or laws even that that conflict with our own deeply held and sincerely held convictions. Um, but we may, and, the, and this is mis- mentioned in Psalm one twenty five as well. But even then, uh, we may have to take the consequences of our disobedience, uh, both earthly and eternal. In other words, if we stand up on principle and say, I'm not going to obey that law, uh, we have that freedom and we 
we don't have to obey those laws. Uh, but it, it, it depends. We may in, uh, even legally have to take the consequences of our standing on principle. That's, that's one, of the, the one great piece of wisdom, Psalm 125. Yeah, that feeds into Daniel. I mean, that, that oh, it does. Certainly, it uh, certainly does because he did that very thing. Yeah. He stood up on principle and disobeyed the laws of the king, but he was willing mm-hmm. to go spend the night in the lion's den yeah. too. You know, mm-hmm. He was willing to take the consequences. Mm-hmm. Or whether he was willing or not, mm-hmm. he was going to have to, right? <laughs> the king. Well, that is an interesting. Uh, and then you, you do think of the, the in Jesus and talking about the rendering to Caesar and Caesar. And maybe we'll get to that a little mm-hmm. bit. But when you do think of kind of that tension between kingdoms and two kingdoms and two laws, two sets of laws for each kingdom. I think that's a lot of actually what Ezekiel and Daniel is about, is that interaction wow. between his kingdom. It's and actually kingdom. part of what makes yes. his book and his life and his ministry and his his prophecies, his his, his messages. So, it, so incredible and, and is because yeah. he uh, we, he. He lived with that tension. Right. This man lived and ministered during the reigns of four major empires. Yeah. That's amazing. It is, it, yeah. Seventy years it spanned, yeah. and and he was esteemed uh, and valued by each one of these four: mm-hmm. uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Belteshazzar, um, Darius, and uh, Cyrus. And Cyrus. And Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, I mean, these were guys. They they ruled the. The world of their era, their mm-hmm. their time, mm-hmm. and, and Daniel <clears throat> was right there in the middle, and, uh, and and I think that's a good thing. To, I'm glad you mentioned that because we're finishing Ezekiel, and we have to remember too that Ezekiel lived was a contemporary of Daniel. Yes. The, the difference was is Ezekiel was down on the streets and living with the exiles uh, in Babylon and trying to minister to them and to of course anyone who would listen, uh, and he even uh, mentions in the book of Ezekiel he. He mentioned some principles that that even probably he got from Daniel. We're thinking, um, <clears throat> although it doesn't say it outwardly there. <clears throat> but um, so Ezekiel is down there. But Daniel is in the palace. He's up there. Uh, I guess you would say Ezekiel was ministering to the down and outers, and uh, while Daniel ministered to the up and outers, right? <laughs> you, you would right. say. Yeah. So, but <clears throat> they are contemporaries. Well, let's go to Ezekiel first, Stace, and see, just kind of wrap it up. Now, the, these chapters of uh, Ezekiel, these final eight chapters, they are they do kind of, in a sense, stand alone in that they introduce, after all of the rest of the message about Ezekiel, his name means strength of God or God is strong, uh, the theme, uh, one thing that's mentioned uh, not 65 times in the book of Ezekiel is are the words or, or the equivalent of the words, then they will know that I am the Lord. So so we get that from Ezekiel that uh, we've already discussed more in depth uh, all of those uh, chapters in our program last week. If you'd like to catch up on that, you can always go to our website uh, and go to the podcast, either our podcast, thebiblelive.com, you can go back in the readings and read and hear the commentary on the book of Ezekiel, or you can come here to the station website, um, AM 630, The Word. You can go to our podcast and scroll down. There's a long list of them and find The Bible Live. Click on that, and then you can go and find, you can find the passage 
uh, passages from the book of Ezekiel, and you can hear those and the commentary that went with them as well. So uh, you can always uh, do that. But then <clears throat> 65 times we have those words, then they will know I am the Lord. Uh, theme of the book of Ezekiel, um, really a need that the people had that, that he is the Lord. You know, he is He is sovereign Lord, and Ezekiel is full of, of uh, sermons and illustrations of that great point. And then there is, listen, we didn't even mention this last week, but 93 times in the book of Ezekiel, and it's in the book of Daniel as well, but 93 times in the book of Ezekiel, the the phrase son of man mm -hmm. is used. Uh, the the angel uh, who speaks to Ezekiel and in, in, in the angel or the being that communicates to him calls him son of man, son of men, son of men. And very interesting. And of course, this is a title that is picked up by Jesus himself in the New Testament, refers to himself as the son of man. Uh, and of course, referring to his dual role, he is the eternal uh, incarnate son of God, eternal, uh, eternally existing from before his incarnation to the, to eternity. He is the 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 uh, you know the uh, person of the Godhead. He is God Himself, but at the same time, He became flesh uh, for our sakes. He became a man, a perfect man of faith, total trust, obeyed, obedience, submission to the Father. Worked, walked out a perfect life of faith and trust and obedience to the Father. Uh, he didn't act of his own initiative, his own prerogative, his own power and authority. He always acted only several times. He says, I, I don't do anything of myself. I only do what God shows me to do, what God tells me to do, what the Father shows me to do. Uh, John chapter 5, verse 19, chapter 5, verse 31 uh, he brings Jesus himself says, I, don't, I can't do anything of my own self. I only do what he, he, that was his role of the Messiah. He had to wa walk out perfect dependence and trust, reliance upon the Father, uh, a perfect man of faith. He was indeed the perfect son of man. He's the firstborn of the twice born. He is the, uh, he is the Adam now, the spiritual, in Adam, biologically, physically, we all die, Paul explains in his uh, writings. In Adam, we all die, according to the book of Romans, but in Christ, we all live because he is the Adam of the spiritual mankind, of the spiritual race, of the redeemed. And so we now carry the spiritual DNA of Jesus, just as we carry the, the physical, biological DNA of Adam. We now carry as newborn, as members of God's kingdom, children of God, we carry the DNA of the, the Son of God, the Son of Man. Uh, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful truth in that. So uh, mm -hmm. there we go. Uh, what am I trying to... <laughs> I get lost. I get I caught wanna, up in these Can you... Truths. I've always loved... You throw that out there a lot, but um, that firstborn of the twiceborn, I love that. I just think that's it. I'm going to... Yeah. Where did you first hear that? Just curious. You know... I don't even know, Stacy. But did you make that up? At some point, <laughs> at some point, sometimes in life I've made up things myself. But I suspect that sounds it. so great that I suspect I got that from someone. <laughs> That's what I assume. But it is, it is a beautiful because yeah. we don't often think of Jesus. A lot of time, our Christology is a little fuzzy, mm -hmm. and we don't really understand the Humanity. truth of the incarnation. Right. 
uh, how it happened, how could that be possible, mm-hmm. and and then the why yeah. of the incarnation. Why did he have to do, and what was, what did he have to do as a man to, in that total submission and reliance upon God the Father and in, in, in obedience. Right. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful truth. But and I too like that right. first well, born of the twice born. Yeah, and uh, can we? Are we? Uh, it it does, and then at the very end of. Uh, uh, Ezekiel, a lot of the end of Ezekiel is about, are we doing, are we? Boy, our time is coming. Go okay. This has flown by. It has We'll flown. hear the music come up, but go okay. ahead. Okay. Well, I just wanted to sit on a little bit that idea of heaven and earth and this, how Ezekiel and the end of Ezekiel and the beginning of Daniel brings out so much of these spiritual seeming ideas and spiritual concepts, but at the same time, it's measurements and it's precision and it's a very, it's mathematic. It's in, it's a very human, real, tangible temple or, you know, it's a very real, tangible. I'm glad you brought that up. That's that's a good, we'll tease that going into our break now because we're going to comment briefly on the last chapters of Ezekiel where Ezekiel gives this very detailed description of this well first of the land of israel right he changes up the distribution of the uh, tribes of israel and then this description of this temple in great detail so many ten and a half feet by this many feet and so on and and there's been some question about what is that temple all about it's not a description of solomon's temple mm-hmm. or of the temple later the second temple right. and so what is the the that temple those temple passages all about we'll come back and talk about that and then move on to the book of daniel in our next segment don't go away 210-340-9585 we'll be right back shake as our voices we raise and our shouts of joy ring out know that the lord is god it is he who made us we as people sing let the crowd shake the voices we raise and our shouts of joy ring out. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. It is he who made us, we his people sing. Oh, shouts for joy, all the earth as we enter in his gates. Give thanks to him, praise his name. We are back. This is the Bible Live, and we are getting into our discussion now. Final chapters of the book of Ezekiel and the op- opening chapters, the first eight chap- nine chapters of the book of Daniel. So um, we've got a caller on the line as well. Uh, Harold is on the line waiting to comment and ask a question or give a comment. So we'll take that first, and then you and I, Stace, will get into these final chapters of Ezekiel uh, and then... Hurry on into Daniel uh, as best we can tonight. So let me get this call to make sure I got it right. Harold, are you on the line with us? Yes. Hi, Tracy. I want to make sure and say hi this time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's nice of you. This, he, he's felt bad all since the last time he called. <laughs> yeah, I had it written down right here. Thank you, bro. Well, how's you doing? What's your week like? And what comment? what's on your mind tonight? Well, I was going to say something about Ezekiel. You know, my mm-hmm. week is going better since the accident. My mother had told me the other night, and, you know, Harold, God must have been with you 
And I said, I, she must have been sitting next to Diana, too, because she came out okay also. Oh, I'm so glad. You know, just some, just some bruises and stuff, and Allstate's going to get us a new car. But Ezekiel, uh, it takes time to do all this stuff. It's so just, you're not having so any – your, your injuries or, or, or um, what would I call your your bruises or your you know soreness or whatever is not going to be long – a permanent no, or, or long-lasting? No, no. No, I told the doctor, I said, you know, because I just saw him before, I said, you know, I'm 65 with the aches and pains. Just, I still got those. Just add a little more to those. So it's not so bad. <laughs> and he, he said, I really can't believe that you came out so good. Oh, that's good. I mean, you know, if you can walk away from a head-on collision, that's, that's a winner right there. Especially at 40 you know, 45 miles per hour. That's yeah, that the other right, and we're just sitting there. Diana, of course, had uh, extra bruising. Um, I didn't have as much, but I got, like I said, whatever ate me before, got a little extra tense, and my hearing's a little, uh, it's going to take some time, four to eight weeks, to get my total uh, buzzing out of my ear. Uh-huh. But that's typical with an airbag. Uh-huh. So, no, no, we are blessed beyond belief. Oh, I'm so glad. And, you know, when something like that happens, you just, you know, you have to, it, you can get depressed. You can get like, well, this is it. I'm going to stay up late, wake up late, eat all day. And you almost go through that a little bit. But, uh, yeah. you know, you wonder, what does God have for me next? Have, you know, I, I need to step it up a notch. I mean, time's running out regardless. But anyway, um, you see, I've been extra nervous since this accident. I'm talking way too much. But um, <laughs> I thought you had an extra, extra cup of extra strong coffee or something. Like <laughs> no, no, no. No, I didn't. Tracy. Hi, Tracy. I know you're there. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm glad you're with your dad. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, my son always tells me, you know, dad, you're this and that and the other. And, you know, oh, dad, I'm losing. I, you know, I told him I'm losing it. And he goes, dad, you've been losing it for a while. Now, I'm not saying you're losing it. Sophie. You didn't know it, dad, but you know, you've been losing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, my kids keep me over that way, too. So that's good. Yeah. He came over Saturday and make it, made us some New York strips. I didn't think I could eat the whole thing at noon, mm. but I did. Sounds good. And uh, yeah, so he sees his parents as uh, old folks. You know, we're sixty-five. Well, sure, we are. We ought to wear that. You know, wear that title proudly. <laughs> it beats the alternative, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so I was going to say something about Ezekiel. Okay, um, go ahead. Anyway, and and I do like Daniel. You know, the writing on the wall, and then you remember when Jesus knelt down. And he wrote something in the sand, and um, I think it's Jewish sages say that he was writing down one of the commandments. I think, if I remember right, I did not study that tonight or this now, week. Now, are you talking about when, he, when Jesus bent down and wrote something after the? Yes. Uh, yeah, I switched he, over uh, from the writing the, on the wall. The woman called in adultery. Wrote, yeah. Mm-hmm. He wrote down a commandment, and the and the people. The Jewish people that could read that, they knew what they had done wrong. Hmm. And I, I, I'm not sure if it was pick up the, you know, if you're innocent, pick up the first stone and throw it, you know, right. something like that. Yeah. But Ezekiel was, it's not in the Bible per se. Um, not, And, I'm, you know, I want to believe everything's in there. But mm-hmm. Ezekiel, uh, Rahab, well, Ezekiel is a descendant of Rahab along with Jeremiah and a few others. And uh, how about that? It, 
it never says in the Bible that they were married to Joshua, you know, Rahab. Remember the red stripe right, uh-huh. or the red rope it, coming it, the, down the wall? The town of the city of Jericho, yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of people out there that believe that that was Joshua's wife. Mm-hmm. and uh, I've heard that. And that's, Yeah, and that's the way that happened. So what is next? Daniel, <laughs> trying to get to it. I Daniel chapter 2, verse 27. Mm-hmm where it says, Daniel replied, I'm going to read from the uh, the NLT. It's easier since I've been, well, I don't want to yeah. say it on the head. But, yeah. uh, Daniel replied. Uh, Daniel replied, there are no wise men, uh, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there's a God in heaven. And so so I was, you know, thinking that I did, did this king come around to realize about, you know, the one God in heaven. And I know something about, I'm not sure if it's a midrash, but the writing on the wall in chapter five of Mm -hmm. Daniel, Mm -hmm. it's something that he was, the king was drinking from a glass of vessel or something from wine that was stolen from the first temple. From the temple. Yes. Uh, And they'd gotten out all of the, uh, the cups and the, and the, some of much of the temple, um, uh, tools and serving platters and so on, and they were uh, uh, they were abusing them. They were in their drunken fiesta sort of mode, and uh, that's and, what it said. Yeah, and he yeah, says, uh, and you use the you, one of our questions we were going to ask tonight is that a finger appeared and wrote mini mini tekelu parsing, and and I was going to ask what popular American phrase English phrase do we have that talks about that very that biblical uh, event, and and you just used it a while ago. You said, well, the writing's on the wall. It's a popular saying, and a lot of people may even use it without it not without even knowing that it's Bible-based, that it's it comes from right. the book of Daniel, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I look forward to the broadcast, you know, the Sophie Dollar Show and Tracy <laughs> Daughter Show and stuff like that, Family Show. I don't know what it's called now. But, uh, you know, the, I do the look Bible forward live. to it. The Bible Live. Okay, well, okay, we'll stick to a Bible Live. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, Tracy. That's I'm just excited. But um, I guess Sophie Dollar. But you know, I I've, I've been sitting with the Bible every single morning. You know, because I used to read it at work, uh-huh. uh, just a little bit. You know, I, I only have about a half hour. Yeah. And uh, and so I still start the you know the same reading at home. And my wife was saying, "Are you reading the Bible every single day now because of the wreck?" I said, sweetie, I, I do that almost that for, every day yeah. at work. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I write down some things I'm interested in, some insights, a few verses, then I go home and wonder what it all means. Yeah. But anyway, Harold, guys, you've always uh, been an encouragement you to me. My you, call. Your love for the word is an encouragement to me as well. I really appreciate it. And I hope others are encouraged by your your, your love for the scriptures and curiosity. Uh, it's, it's just yeah. such an. Is endless blessings in this old book, and I I really appreciate your when you do call your words of encouragement. And by the way, it, it's not Tracy; yes. it's Stacy with an S. Just it's not Tracy; it's Stacy S S T A C Y. Of course, obviously no. she doesn't mind. We all forgive, but I thought you'd probably want to get it. <laughs> you'd probably want to Stacy. I'm going to write that. Yeah, I'm going to change the T to an S. Okay. All right. You Thank you, brother, for calling in. We appreciate okay. hearing from you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for taking yeah. my call. Bye. Thanks, Harold. You know what he inspires me to 
as well, Stacey, what he shared tonight about, you know, that he, he's been in a car accident. He, I think he called a week or two ago and went week, through that yeah. with us. And, and I was just going to, uh, you know, I, w- we ought to take time to remember our president tonight as oh, well yeah. and others who are Struggling who are right suffering now. from this mm-hmm. uh, virus, this this mm-hmm. COVID. Uh, we we have to we have to remember these men and women. And of course, not only the high and the mighty, the president and Congress members, but there are hundreds and thousands of people in our own city, in our own community. Uh, let's all keep them all in our prayers, mm-hmm. in a very special way that God will work out His perfect will in each life. Of course, in the president, it's a little more dramatic than it would be in Soapy Dollar's life, for example. But uh, so let's remember to pray for our nation's leaders in that respect as well tonight. Well, let's get back to Ezekiel and talk about uh, these why there is this this incredible detail in this you know eight chapters given to this temple that. No one has built. No one has seen. We don't know when. It, some people say it's supposed to be the uh, third temple that's built during uh, the uh, millennial reign or during uh, this time or that time or the other time. Um, I, 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 you hear all these things about it, but there is this great detail given to this temple and to the new, the change of the way, the idealization of the promised land, of the land of Israel, the 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 tribes are it's laid out differently in in, in uh, the book of Ezekiel there. So, can so, you set so the, go ahead, yeah, set the stage. So so this it starts in chapter forty, mm-hmm. and what happens is this the first time because Ezekiel himself is called son of man, mm-hmm. and uh, so set the stage. He's well in the twenty fifth year of the exile. Mm-hmm. So Ezekiel is probably about. 45, 50 yes. years old or so at okay. this point. Um, Daniel has probably already uh, died at this point. No. No, Daniel no, and Daniel still... lived a long life. Okay, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so this was a vision. And uh, I, I think that the I, I just, when I was reading it or when I was listening to you read it, in visions of God, he took me to the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. Kind of reminded me of Jesus. And when he, first, at the beginning of his Satan report, took him to the to mountain as mountain well during his over. temptations mm-hmm, in, uh, mm-hmm. what is that, uh, uh, John 4, uh, I think Luke 4 as well, mm-hmm. if I remember. And so then Ezekiel, the, the man said to me, so uh, son of man, look carefully and listen closely and pay attention to everything I'm going to show you. For that is why you have been brought here. Tell the people of Israel everything you see. So Ezekiel is called the son of man. And then he goes on and envisions, is shown different courts. He's given a precise measurements. He's shown mm-hmm. uh, d- what the different rooms are for. Great detail, mm-hmm. yeah. Great detail of this temple. And then, uh, and then in forty-three, the beautiful moment of God's glory entering yeah. the temple. Because Ezekiel had already described God's glory leaving the temple right, in in earlier mm-hmm, chapters, mm-hmm. and now we see this beautiful picture of the glory of God coming back to His temple. And then the river uh-huh, flowing out from the temple, and uh, and to the Dead Sea, and that river turning what was dead and dying into a river of life. It's a river that flows out of the temple. Yes. Uh, and um, it, it flows. It gives life uh, the, to everything where it touches, and then it even 
brings life to the Dead Sea, which is famously dead. (laughs) So saline, the salt content is so high that nothing can live, plants or animals within it, but it it gives life to even the Dead Sea. And then it closes off with the last words of the book of of Ezekiel, Jerusalem's name is changed. Oh, that's right. There's another one of those name changes. You got to pay attention to those uh, because they are significant. Uh, I've forgotten what his name is changed to. Mm-hmm. And the meaning of it, though, is... Do you have it? Well, the meaning of it is the, the Lord is there. Oh, that's the name of the city. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem. The name of the city will be what? the Lord is there. Yes. So I think you and I, as we thought about this and as we've looked at it, I, I'm, I think I'm coming to the idea that, that this is indeed an idealization in, in Ezekiel looking to the future when... When God's redemptive plan is complete, God's people are called that we will be the temple. Of, we will be the temple out of which flows life and yeah. gives life. And pointing to the to the Messiah, what what mm-hmm. what I immediately you know was when you think of the glory entering, you just think of that heavenly host of messengers to the shepherds in that field. Mm-hmm. Glory to God in the highest. Peace to uh, on, earth, uh, uh, on earth to all good. To glo- I mean, that Emmanuel, God is with. That's the the culmination of all of this that Ezekiel is seeing. And if Ezekiel was called the Son of Man in this way, mm. that Je- Very Jesus good. is coming is the uh, is the fulfillment of yeah. this. And I think I've come to that, that too, mm-hmm. Stace. I, I think that that's. Whatever else it might be, mm-hmm. I yeah, think that that would be a, an appropriate <laughs> understanding that Ezekiel now, after all of his book, he's talking to the people, uh, uh, of course, about their failure and their sin, about God's forgiveness and God's his promise to restore. And, and, and the culmination will be when, like, like the book of Revelation in chapters 21, 22, yeah. a new heaven, a new earth, yeah. a new uh, God's presence among his people. And uh, this is a, a picture of that uh, from with imagery that the people of Israel could understand, the right. temple and the land and it, of Israel. Right. And, and it reminds me there, I mean, that son of man, it, it helps us to understand the, hum, the humanity. I, you know, it's not going to be a complete wiping out of what God first created. And he, what he's doing is destroying sin but saving the person. <laughs> he is cutting out this... Until yes. one day, in other words, it's not just a wiping out of this earth. It mm, is a no, it's an accomplishment of his original. Yes, his original uh-huh. calling. And, and it reminds me of um, Jesus. One of the first things you know he did when he resurrected was he was hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, he he ate. He ate a meal, which is yeah. such a normal human thing. And and then this kind of same way, you know, we would think of him as not really eating anymore. And he says, no, yeah. that, there's good things. and kind of that It's not just of, pie in the sky, spirituality, right. truth, but these are real, tr- a, real right. uh, a real savior, uh, the, you know, the, the Savior, the Ma- Messiah, the mm-hmm. prototype of all of the redeemed. Uh, the, right. the, he made sure that they knew that you right. know, I'm eating, right. you know, I and have fish, hand, I have bread, yeah. I have honey. Yeah. And, and, um, and on one hand, you get, yeah. the, you get even good. more real. You know, you get you get true truth. <laughs> you get more, and then on the other hand, without him, you get 
ultimate beast beastliness you get ultimate death and ashes and valley of bones and you get mm-hmm. when you start to see more and more the contrast the contrast mm-hmm. it reminds me of that lewis all day long um, you are never talking to a mere mortal all day long you may be talking to a person a creature which if you saw it now you would be strongly tempted to worship as a whole no so fast <laughs> this is beautiful <laughs> Sorry, it, it, and and what he says here, C.S. Lewis is, is what we're talking about, yeah. is, is he says, if all of us could just understand that when you have a conversation with your good friend next to you or mm-hmm. church, you know, sometimes I've done this in, in, in when I'm delivering a message. I said, look at the person to your left and everybody look, look mm-hmm. at the one to your right. Yeah. If you could only imagine the mm-hmm. beautiful, incredible creature that right. you're looking at. With, with right. it, in the in, from the point of view right. of of the of God's plan, the right. redemptive plan, right. the beautiful, incredible, powerful yeah. creature it is that no small thing to be a son of man. No, I mean, God no. placed His very image, and so the <clears throat> quote is: "It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods, little g, and goddesses. To remember that." The dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. And that just reminds me so much of, you know, those images that Ezekiel's, you know, the, mm-hmm. the beasts and the the horror, you know, juxtaposed there with God's glory, the beauty and the, and the beauty. glory. All yeah. day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. And I think we ought to try to see each other in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, try, yes, and that's uh, the, try to see mm-hmm. each other the full potential that we have. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I, I love this. But it is in that light. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Isn't that beautiful? It is. That's from the way to. Ah, that Lewis. He can. He could. He could. He could lay it on, couldn't he? He, A great, great teacher and a great speaker. Well, there we are. The Book of Ezekiel. I'm not sure we can do much more. We could spend a lot of time on it, but I want us to get into the Book of Daniel. Uh, Those last chapters of Ezekiel. Now he, he introduces this new. Uh, the new geographical outlay of Israel, the tribes are, are different locations and so on. They're idealized. And then you have uh, the temple. You have the river that flows out of it. Um, uh, I wonder if that's part of that movie, A River Runs Through It. Uh, I don't know. if you, <laughs> I, I, I bet that has something, some meaning in that, I'm guessing. Every time there's water. It's <clears throat> yeah. But, so he, he, we have this temple. We have this river that flows through it, a river of healing. It uh, gives life, and uh, it, it's just, it is beautiful. And I do think it talks about the beauty, the glory, uh, the I, just, but it's not, as you say, idealized like pie in the sky. It's right. it's a real temple and a real land and it's real people and a real creation. Yeah. It's rooted in mm-hmm. <clears throat> the real reality of God's ultimate plan. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the book of Daniel. <clears throat> Daniel himself. Now we let's give some background, just generally on the book. Uh, Daniel, the first six chapters tell Daniel's story. They are autobiographical or biographical. They tell who he is, what happens to him. Remember, he is taken 
uh, into exile in 605 B.C. Uh, in the very first, uh, the first uh, uh, time that Nebuchadnezzar approaches Jerusalem, his armies, and they take out uh, uh, Daniel. Uh, they, he take, they take out Hananiah, Sh- uh, Mishael, and Azariah. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they take out probably Mordecai, Esther. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's in 605. Now remember, Nebuchadnezzar began his reign somewhere around 603, 604. And he came over, he he uh, participated. There was the, the famous Battle of Carchemish in 605 uh, over uh, near Damascus, uh, up near Sire and, and, uh, Sidon and Tyre and Sidon. Uh, that's... Um, that's where Josiah had been killed by Necho, the pharaoh of Egypt. But so, then okay. so Nebuchadnezzar e- won that battle of Carchemish. So Egypt and Babylon were, were at war. Yeah, were at war. Okay. And, and, and Josiah went out to battle against uh, Necho. Right, Egypt. Which okay. is interesting because he, this, I think it may explain a little bit why Nebuchadnezzar was always a little bit partial to, gave grace and mercy exactly. to Israel because they, Josiah, at least, as, as a godly king, he was he was working allied, with Nebuchadnezzar, with, um, and but he was killed in, in that battle, as, as you know. And then and then uh, Nebuchadnezzar defeated Necho of Egypt, and it was on his return that they stopped and took uh, from the royal lineage uh, in Judah, there from Jerusalem, they took away that first about four thousand uh, or so. Um, exiles, in, including Daniel, in there, mm-hmm. and the, usually they took out the emperors. Did they took out the leadership so that they would not, they could not raise up a, 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 a resistance right. to him, and so they took them in in uh, Daniel and those of the royal family, those who in the royal lineage were made so they could not have children, mm-hmm. for that same reason they didn't want them to have children or possible heirs to the throne and that sort of thing. So Daniel is made so he cannot bear children. Uh, um, we know that from the scriptures here. He's taken, let's see, he goes into these opening chapters. He goes and uh, we see him uh, in the first place. He um, Daniel must have been a remarkable person. I mean, I mean, just to know him, even he must have been, he was probably handsome and good looking, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. because it, we're, we're given that idea here in the scriptures. Um he of strong faith uh he there for now they try the reason they have different names Shadrach Meshach Abednego his name becomes Belteshazzar uh Bel or Marduk uh protect you that was the name it, so they changed their names from Hebrew names glorifying the true and living God uh, uh Yahweh to names that referencing other gods and and Babylonian names because they're trying to tear down their identity the way they view and understand themselves and so on. And so they change their names and they make them eat strange food here in chapter one. They put them on this diet, but Daniel won't eat it. And and he puts it to the talks to his the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look at after Daniel. Uh, he says to him, let's have this test where I'll eat this for a while and you all these others. And then you make a decision in light of what you see uh, after how many days I've forgotten. Ten days, you see who looks healthier, who is stronger. And Daniel won, so they let him keep eating his diet. And, of course, we even today, I think people talk about Daniel's diet, you know, vegetables and water. 
so that's we've gotten that far, but we'll cover these first six chapters just talking about some of the story of Daniel in our next segment. Wow, we're, it's going so fast tonight. But we will be back. This is The Bible Live. If you have a thought about Daniel or a question about Daniel or about the scriptures or anything, don't hesitate to give us a call. We make our way through the Bible every year, and we'd love to hear from you who have questions about the Bible, God's Word, the book of Daniel, or what it means to know God and walk with Him. Whatever it is, give us a call, 210-340-9585. Don't go away. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Makes me happy. I like that, John. Good, good job. That, I actually thought maybe it was Pharrell. That, that's yeah. a parody. Yeah, he he did me, that. The, we make you happy? Or, uh, no, he's talking about the Lord Someone makes him happy. May, oh, God, I'm trying to remember the name now. <laughs> all right, you're doing what? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parody of Pharrell. As long as you could repair it there. He, he does a lot of repair work around us, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, John's says. so good with music. Oh, that's really great, fun. great. Well, let's, let's continue. We've got a, just a last segment now to try to give you a working, operating, overall vision of the book of Daniel. Um, and we gave it a little of the historical context of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the Battle of Carchemish, 605, him coming over. He takes out the first uh, uh, 4,000 uh, 4, 4, or so. Uh, there is an exact number given at the last of the book of, um, I think it's the last of the book of Ezekiel, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, or is it the book before Ezekiel? Lamentation? No. Jeremiah. Maybe Jeremiah yeah. uh, toward the end. But there is an exact number given of the people he took in the first in the first group of exiles, the second and the third. And they were they were smaller as they went along. But so uh, 605, Daniel is taken along with um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, whom we come to know as Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And they are taken to um, Babylon. Uh, along with uh, with others, remember in in five ninety seven, then it's when Ezekiel is taken. Um, let's narrow it down to Daniel. Daniel serves for seventy years. He serves the Lord as a voice for God. He is a godly man. He is wise. He must be incredibly impressive. Not only I'm talking about just you know good looks and and wise and even tempered and. He probably has some incredible administrative skills, maybe mathematics, maybe uh, he he just he and these other Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. uh, uh, I'll use their Hebrew names: Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They are they must be very very impressive uh, young men. But Daniel serves for seventy years under the kings of four great empires: Nebuchadnezzar, and then Belshazzar. 
and then Darius, and then Cyrus the Persian, and, and beginning with the Medo-Persian Empire there. And in each one of them, he, as you go through the book, he is uh, serving in each one of them. The stories are told about his wisdom, and he had to be impressive. Of why would one emperor from one emperor to the next, you know, usually you, know, you kind of the new president comes in and replaces everybody with his own people or whatever, but uh, he was must have been a tremendous administrator uh, to have been kept on. And it wasn't just administration. He was indeed uh, recognized for his spiritual, uh, his spiritual strength, his spiritual understanding, his spiritual depth, and his giftedness that God had in, indeed gifted this fellow to understand visions and dreams because several of the stories we read uh, have to do with him interpreting the dream of um, of one of these or more of these emperors that he serves under. Would language have been a, I don't know if I, would language have been also a consideration? May have well been a linguist as well. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. Now, Daniel is a key person in the Bible, not only because of the book of Daniel and the, the period he lived in, but he obviously made such a great positive impression in he had a national impact on Babylon. Right. Years later, uh, we we find uh, that, that he he has a school of prophets and, and and people who understand. He references even the the Star of David mm-hmm. uh, that that we see appearing mm-hmm. over over uh, Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. That is traceable. The understanding of the wise men who came from the east mm-hmm. to because of this star that they knew a, a king was to be born. That has its its beginnings in the work and ministry of da- of Daniel. Mm, you mean he, the study of the stars would have been something? Yeah, that, that, but Daniel mentions the idea of a star right, that would introduce uh, uh, a king right. uh, and so on. Yeah. So Daniel, right. he well, has yeah. a tremendous impact, and he his prophecies, especially when you look at it, let's say what chapter is it where he talks about. Uh, we look at their changed names. We see if instead of the eating the rich food and wine on the palace menu, the Hebrew, they had a, the Hebrews asked for a ten day test to show that they would be just as healthy as the other boys, and that was in chapter one, vegetables and water. Then Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that bothers him, and so he asks his magicians, his enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, to do so. this. Is funny. I, I, I think I was pointing this out. I don't know if you had noticed this before, but in chapter two, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he wants the interpretation of the dream. But when he calls all of his wise men together, I think Nebuchadnezzar was. I, I have a feeling that Nebuchadnezzar was smart, and he was a little bit of a skeptic because he would ask these guys to interpret his dream, and the normal thing was to do was you tell the person your dream and you let them interpret it to you. But I have a feeling Nebuchadnezzar was a little worn out with that process and he didn't trust it. I don't think he believed it, that it was supernatural. And so he calls all of these these sorcerers, these these, uh, seers together, and he tells them to, I, I want you to interpret this dream for me, but first I want you to tell me, what I dreamed. He said, he didn't just say, here's my dream and you tell me what it means because I think he figured it out that they could just make up anything. 
But he said, okay, if this is real, you ought to be able to tell me what I actually dreamed. And, boy, and they went crazy in Chapter yeah. 2. There. They, well, nobody can do that. Yeah, that's impossible. Tell us the dream, and we'll give you the interpretation. And, and so uh, he, he's going to kill them all. And then they come to get Daniel, and Daniel says, don't do that. He said, just, just give me some time. Give, give me just a moment, and I'll tell you what your dream is. And so I, I think it's just an amazing story, really. That uh, And he prays to God in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. He prays to God, and he asks God to show him the dream. And he asks his friends to pray with him. And, and they did. And the first thing Daniel did after God revealed Nebuchadnezzar's dream to him, uh, he he praised God and thanked God, which I thought was a great lesson. Yeah. Well, just in terms of dreams, well, also, and I don't know, you know what dreams would have been like, if that, but if they're like dreams that we have today, and for me, a lot of times, I'll wake up and I'll kind of have this vague sense of what it was, and I'll sort of know and sort of remember, but it also could have been just a very honest uh, from Nebuchadnezzar desire to have his dream be more fleshed out like knowing that there you know because we sometimes you know you wake up and I know I dream yeah. I'm not saying but it is it must have been a sharp dream it must have been right. a, a stark and I think that that's a sweet I mean not to make it too metaphorical but it is kind of a sweet little pivot to how sometimes we have sort of a vague sense of, of a dream maybe metaphorical or literal and we really do have to call on God to put put meat to that, put flesh to that, put uh-huh. put real uh, definition to that. Be a Daniel in our lives. Tell me, yeah. and um, tell me what my dream is, yeah. Lord. I think I know, but can you tell me? That's what it interesting. Is? Yeah. yeah. And well, speaking of dreams, this was striking. Yeah. He well. he told him what the dream is, and then he tells him, and, and it's. Uh, it's an amazing dream. It really is. Mm-hmm. And evidently did indeed. God had a message for this emperor. Now we have to realize that Nebuchadnezzar, um, Belshazzar, Darius, Cyrus, the person, these weren't just, I mean, I mean, I don't want to put too big of the, I mean, the, uh, these were basically the king of the world mm-hmm. of their era. They were the most powerful people of, of the the world, the, the known world of that period. I mean, I know there were there were people probably in China and so on. Even even later, when uh, when a- Alexander the Great comes, I mean, these are these were major world shapers. These guys, and so uh, Daniel is right there in the mix, and he's representing the true and living God. Uh, and so, no, I didn't want to interrupt what you were saying. I just want to kind of recap where we are. What were you going to say then about if we have, he? God sometimes has to explain our vision to <laughs> clarify, detail right. our dreams, right. our vision itself, right? Is that what you yeah. were headed? Yes. And then I was just, you know, that it, it, I mean, one of the most beautiful parts of that dream is that that rock that is hewn out of that on that mountain and representing yeah. Lord and, and how that is. Well, tell them what the vision is. Tell what, as it turns out. Okay, I'll you, do it. Yeah, <laughs> she said, you, Dad. Pointed. <laughs> okay, here's what he dreamed. There was this huge statue, mm-hmm. and it, the, the, the head was of gold, the shoulders and tor- was of silver, the torso of bronze, and, and, and then there was iron in the, in the calves and the thighs of the leg, and then in the feet there were iron and clay, uh, ten toes, you know, in the feet. And, and he tells them, and then it, there's this statue, 
and then this big, huge boulder, uh, well, it says a rock, it, it, but then it becomes a great uh, a mountain that fills the yeah, earth. It starts as a, as a rock and, uh-huh. and then grows. It strikes and, and, and n- destroys that, that statue, and it's, I mean, what an amazing, um, what an amazing Reminds me of David and Goliath. vision, really, yeah. <laughs> the five empires... The statue represents, he said, the head is you, Nebuchadnezzar. You are, you're the golden head, you're the king of Babylon. And then the Medo-Persians that are going to come after you when you leave. Uh, and then there's Greece, Alexander the Great, and Greece uh, in the bronze. And then Rome in the steel, the you know, militaristic uh, Rome that ruled the earth by, with a glove of uh, a hand of iron. And then the diverse small kingdoms that came, resulted when Rome broke up. Uh, the ten kingdoms, you know, lost the ten kingdoms of Rome and the um, Roman Empire broke up. So he, he's looking far into the future telling this is what's going to happen. And and then God's eternal king kingdom is going to smash them all and, and be the one that is eternal and permanent. Which would have been about the time then when Christ came. And uh, yeah. is that rock that becomes the mountain? As that, Rome and the yeah. gospel and the and the kingdom of God begins yeah. to expand and out and and many attribute I've heard in history classes, uh, both in college and in uh, seminary Bible school, that actually the the gospel itself had such an incredible impact mm-hmm. as it it spread like wildfire across the Roman Empire and around the known world. Remember what they told the Ephesians? These are those who have turned the world upside down. Uh, that that actually the gospel did have a con- very strong contributing factor in the fall of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there was a great, uh, a lot, to a great extent, it fell from internal weaknesses, and and um, y- you can read the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, and and you can see some of those causes. But many of them were spiritual mm-hmm. and that in, in whole, nature. Yeah, and that that also. It was, reminds us of another dream that somebody had mm-hmm. that I can't help. I'm going to have to What read question it. are you looking at? Oh, just a, a, well, the whole sequence, the whole dream, and then specifically that rock that grows into the mountain. And it's mm-hmm, a reference, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think Martin Luther King Jr. was referencing this in his famous I Have a uh-huh. Dream. And I kind of want to read some of it. May I? Sure, sure. <laughs> well, it's just so uh, Well, it wouldn't be surprising. We always kind of have to remind ourselves that right. Martin Luther King was a pastor. He Absolutely. Was a, uh, and, and it's and, beautiful. And and that's exactly, I mean, Daniel. And the leaders, those that worked with him and the leaders of the civil rights uh, movement mm-hmm. in our country, mm-hmm. m- mainly pastors and, and, and is, Christians yeah. and church members. And, and his I have, a, I have a Dream, I mean, I know we know it, but it's just riddled with m- metaphor and straight from Scripture. I have a okay. dream that one day, don't every, read too fast now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dream that one day every valley shall be engulfed, every hill shall be exalted, and every mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plains, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall, shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I will go back to the south with. This, With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, 
We will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to climb up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. And then, of course, at the end, when we let freedom ring, when we let it ring from every tenement and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old spiritual Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Oh, boy. Imagine that's more than a civil rights speech. That's that's, that's, heaven. I mean, he, that's he a is. spiritual <laughs> d- delivery of a spiritual truth, of course. And he may, he may really have had Daniel's uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's vision, uh, um, vision and dream and mm-hmm. Daniel's interpretation mm-hmm. in mind. He and may have had this very passage in mind as he addressed that. Mm-hmm. Well, then uh, he does that. He tells Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and that elevates Daniel to a very high prestigious position as the the director of the seers and the prophets and the uh the the fortune teller you know the the wise men of that era so daniel has his tremendous influence for decades now um then nebuchadnezzar begins it sounds almost like he has a conversion experience uh there in i believe it's in chapter 3 or 2 and 3 he he clearly admires and gives, and part of the reason he gives God credit is because Daniel gave God credit. Right. He said, "I will not." Uh, you know, he wanted he wanted to give Daniel the credit. He said, "No, no, it's my God, the God that I serve. He will mm-hmm. tell you your dream." He and so Nebuchadnezzar thanks God, admires God, and 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 uh, it's hard to say he became a convert. Although you know those kind of things we can't know. God's God will know his real heart. But he does, uh, because in the next chapter, he builds a gold statue requiring all the the leaders and all of his subjects to bow and worship the statue, a statue <laughs> yeah, of himself. you got to think that's so typical of yeah, On yeah. one hand, <laughs> yeah. there's a statue dream, and then you can just see Nebuchadnezzar going, mm, mm, Maybe I'll build mm. myself a statue, yeah. <laughs> uh, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, this huge statue. And uh, th- then that's when uh, Azariah, Mishael, and uh, Hananiah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, that's when they refuse to bow down to that. And they are thrown into a furnace, mm-hmm. an oven. And, and by the way, folks, this does have a very clear, you may wonder, what, why would they have a furnace? Remember, Babylon is one of the, the scene of one of the seven wonders eight, uh, of the world. What is it? Seven wonders or eight wonders of the... Of I the, think we're at eight now. Uh, of but the... Uh, hanging gardens. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, of the... Um, of, the world. world of that era, that time, some of one of the great wonders. Uh, it, they were incredible builders, and they had uh, they made their own brick, and they had these huge ovens. Uh, uh, remember, this traces back even back to the uh, the Tower, uh, of Babel. Tower of Babel and, and, and Noah that there were there were this building. They they always were. So he, he threw them into one of these, probably a kiln for baking bricks. They were thrown into this super hot, huge, um, and, and evidently it wasn't just a little oven. It was one, a huge one that you could walk around in, and uh, and then they survived. Um, <clears throat> and, but they didn't know they were going to survive. That's a, that's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. These three men, they didn't, they didn't just uh, not obey that command to bow down and worship that idol because oh. God gave them this firm, absolute promise he's going to deliver them. They didn't have that firm, absolute. They didn't know for sure that God was going to deliver them. How do we know? 
because they said in chapter 3, even if God doesn't rescue us, we will not worship the idol. The idol. I mean, they, they, they said goodbye to their friends and relatives and loved ones because I, I think they very well knew that, they, that God may not, that they may be facing their death. But um, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar throws them in, and then he describes what he sees. He looks into the uh, one guy gets too close to the oven and as actually dies mm-hmm. himself. But Nebuchadnezzar evidently got in a position where he could see in, and he saw the three of them standing and walking. But there was a fourth man, and he says the fourth is like a son of God or son of gods. Um, Many think that it was a pre-incarnate appearance of the son of God, of the Messiah, of Jesus, uh, this member of the Godhead. But um, he saw these four men in in the oven, and they, they came out. They weren't singed. They weren't burnt. They they didn't even smell like smoke, <laughs> it says in the passage. Okay, so um, then Daniel tells the emperor about another vision, about a tree which is cut down uh, for stump and roots for seven periods of time. So Daniel tells him, you're going to go insane for seven years. Then you'll be restored to your throne and to power. And that is... Again, what happens? And if you read, if you read in, in secular history about these emperors, it is a fascinating thing to do. I don't have time to do it on the air, but the, these emperors that go by, you have to. The, the dates are given and the times we know from secular history, but sometimes it's not as clear cut as when one starts and another begins. Or in, there are times when there's a co-regency, when the next one up. Uh, kind of reigns with them for a period of time, and then and then they take over. But uh, we see that the Nebuchadnezzar is indeed taken out of commission for a period of time uh, in his during his reign, and it looks like his son Nebuchadnezzar II uh, reigns a co-regency during that time, uh, or somehow it continued, and then he was returned and uh, restored. So. Um, as a as a lesson, heaven rules. God is sovereign, like like Benjamin Franklin said. That we all know that God is sovereign. God rules in the affairs of men and nations. And uh, if, from our own history, uh, one of our leaders. Well, that was the lesson that there was being taught. At least one of the lessons being taught here: God is sovereign. He rules, and we should remember that today as well, right? Mm-hmm. We really need to remember that. There's a lot of fear, a lot of angst, a lot of rumors, a lot of this and that, and uh, but we should know that God is on His throne, uh, and, and comfort and be comforted and encouraged to to be God's people, to be instruments of hope, light, encouragement. Um, we have no reason to panic. Uh, if we if we know God in that way, then we get to this thing where the handwriting on the wall of Belshazzar's feast. This is the next uh, emperor. So the, yeah. So what what is that transition? Nebuchadnezzar dies. We assume that Nebuchadnezzar natural. dies. Belshazzar is now the um, mm-hmm. uh, emperor in the okay. chapter five, and there's a feast where Belshazzar th- is brings out the instruments and the cups and so on mm-hmm. that they they stole or took from the temple. And uh, and a hand ri- a hand appears and writes mini mini tekel parsin on the wall, and that's where we get that phrase. Your handwriting is on the wall, and they can't find anybody to to interpret it, but his mother, 
Belshazzar, the queen mother, remembers. You know, there used to be a guy around here who had this and what an incredible gift. You should get him. He can he can tell you what your what that what that uh, hand meant. He can interpret it. And so they do call him, and he promises to give him a, ro- a robe of purple and and great wealth and so on. But he said, keep your gifts. He said, but I I'll tell you what it means. Many many tekel parsin. Uh, your days are numbered. You've been found, weighed in the balance, and you've been found needy. And uh, so that very night is when uh, he, the invasion happens, yeah. and Darius the Mede invades, and they overcome Belshazzar. Um, uh, Bel, Bel, Belshazzar. Well, we'll pick up. We didn't finish all of the chapters that we've covered. We didn't get to Chapter 9, which I really want to talk about, this 69 weeks and how it interprets it and and prophesies the coming of Messiah. No time to say good night. Have a great week, everyone. See you next Sunday. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.